It's June 16th, 2022, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Well, guys, we finally made it. Uh, We kept saying we were going to be talking to Michael Fitz. We're going to talk to Michael Fitz. We're going to talk to Michael Fitz. And hard to believe it's the middle of June and we're finally talking to Michael. So, Michael, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Happy to. It's going to be – you will be our second person that we've interviewed, uh, I guess, basically. This is your second interview. We did Phil Coffey twice. And same concept of just seeing seeing where things are. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, we've talked to um, Michael about I guess about a year ago, and he had just started his his new business. So we thought we'd just follow up with him and see how things are going. And to that end, we're just going to jump into it. I'm going to uh, let Matthew fire off the first question, and we'll be off and running. All righty. Well, I it's been over a year, but. How long has it been since you have officially opened your doors? And 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 also to that, and how is your business treating you since then? I, I mean, I know you've had another kid since then, and actually just recently, right? So so give give us where where are you at? What uh, how long has it been? What's going on? Okay, yeah. So full disclosure, I did not go back and like re-listen to the prior podcast. So I don't remember exactly when we recorded it, but I know it was like probably within the first few weeks of the new firm. So it was March 1st, 2021 was the launch date. So we're uh, 15 months old now. And you are correct. Uh, My wife and I had our third son, Grayson, in March of this year. So right at the one year anniversary. So he's three months old. So yeah, you know, when it rains, it pours, and everyone that's got small kids at home knows uh, that part of it. But you know, I'm fortunate that uh, all that has gone well, and I haven't lost an incredible amount of sleep. My wife carries most of that weight. Business-wise, it's been good. Maybe it's a little bit like having kids. You kind of, for me so far, sometimes the days seem long, but like the the fact that it's been 15 months seems absolutely unreal. Like it doesn't feel possible that time is going that quickly. I think that's a good thing. I stayed very, very busy, Uh, especially here. The start of 2022 has been bonkers. Right now, I have been turning away work just strictly because of trying to grow at an intentional pace and not just get completely crazy. So I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of us, though, in our discussion. So I know we may kind of dive into those struggles, I guess, as we go. Does that answer your question, though, Matthew? Yeah, I think so. I I personally think it's all that more impressive that you guys were able to keep chugging along even even with three boys. Like, geez, I, I can barely handle my twins, let alone the my 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 boy just by himself. So that's uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> it's definitely been a grind. I mean, I think at one point we texted or I texted someone and they're like, well, so did you take like a long time off when you had the baby? And I was like, uh, about 24 hours that we were in the hospital. And that was about it. But I mean, when it's just you, I mean, if I took a week off, there's just a week's worth of stuff piling up. It's not like anyone else is 
doing anything. So, I mean, literally every little task is just sitting there accumulating. So you might kind of might as well get out of bed and get up early, stay up late, do whatever to kind of keep things moving, keep the balls in the air. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the, the challenge of being, being your own boss and having your own firm and, you know, doing all that stuff because yeah, when the, when the time comes that you have to have downtime, you're, you're doing it, but at the same time you're having to think to yourself, oh my gosh, well, nothing's getting done and I'm not generating income and my projects are going to get behind. And so <laughs> suddenly there's almost this, this, I won't say panic, but you suddenly start to get very antsy about the fact that nothing's happening. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's weird to think life doesn't stop necessarily regardless of what's going on. Uh, definitely not. It's uh, it, the other, I guess, kind of myth of it all is like when you're your own boss, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to have anybody forcing me to work, you know, 60 hours a week or whatever you may think. And it, while it's true, like there's some weeks where there's not as much work as we all know, like in, especially in our kind of project oriented world, like there's crunch time and there's not crunch time and you really don't have a lot of control over that. And when there's paid work, you kind of got to jump on it and get it done. And then you may hit a spot where it's like, it's suddenly quiet for like a week. So it's like, you kind of got to roll with that. Or at least I've had to kind of just roll with it. I can't really so much plan a vacation as I just kind of will look down and be like, Oh, this week, you know, I don't have, I've got two meetings on the books. Like I'm going to take it slower this week because I know next week is about to get crazy. Yeah, but I always look at that like, oh, look, I don't have anything on my schedule. Okay, what can I do office-wise, business-wise that I can't, I'm not getting done because I'm spending all my time doing drawing at the moment. I always end up trying to, trying to get caught up, I think, more on the business side of things when I have that kind of downtime, although I don't feel like I've really had that kind of downtime. So there is that sort of, and, and it would drive me crazy not to be able to, to schedule a vacation, and I'm not sure how you're, you're coping with that. Uh, it, we're, we're getting there. And that's not to say, I, didn't, I mean, we still went as a family last year and I was able to get a week, but, you know, it was still, it was plugging up at some point during the day, you know, to keep, keep things going. So it's, it's all just the ebb and the flow of it. And I mean, you're a hundred percent correct when, you know, when it's a slow week with drawings and meetings or stuff like that, certainly there's other stuff that can be getting done. I mean, Matthew kind of knows, I think he and I talked somewhere between the last podcast and now we've kind of touched base and you know we talked about some of the like bigger picture technology things that i've been working on and so like i went and hired a, a group to help me build out a revit template so i wasn't building a bunch of content but short of ripping off the other firm that i left which i didn't do you know it's i mean that you either do that or you gotta create all your content, all your standard stuff in the library. So my library was at zero. So, you know, those little projects kind of, that's the filler that's always going on. So that's, but that's been the struggle. And I think that's what a lot of people would struggle with. If you're not already good at managing your own time and kind of pushing yourself to knock those things out, then sometimes the lull in the paying work may let you think you take your foot off the gas. It's definitely an odd spot to be in to, to be the boss and be responsible for everything and including your marketing. And luckily I have a guy who does my social media, so I don't have to worry so much about that. That's definitely a dream because all that stuff does, like I enjoy wearing all those different hats. Uh, I mean, and I wore a lot of those hats when I left the prior firm. 
So, I mean, I kind of had an idea of how I wanted to do it, but it just, it can become tedious when that stuff still needs to be done and you are in the throes of a project. And I think that's where most people will let it, you know, slip. Well, and, and because the economy is in such a weird place right now, you know, we're, we're, we're we can't figure out if, if it's going to be a full blown awesome economy or, or if the pandemic's still holding everybody back. So with, so, so with that being in, being the, the state of things, right now how have these unique times affected you and your business well like everyone i think we're we're looking at what stock markets and inflation and all the stuff that we see in the media and some of it i think is just hype like on so many different levels meaning meaning the more of that stuff you consume it's like you know, then every time you open your phone, there's going to be some gloom and doom article. So on the one hand, I'm trying to just kind of keep my my focus on, you know, what's what's in front. Uh, the the other side of that is, yeah, there's a real there's a reality to a slowdown, break tap, you know, whatever you want to call it. That is, I mean, we're we're kind of overdue for it, and. You know, I, I guess a lot of that is perspective, and of course, I've not uh, I've not come through one of those as a firm owner yet. Uh, when I first entered the job market, maybe a few years kind of ahead of you, Matthew, you know, we were coming out of the Great Recession, and I, I know one of the questions that you guys had for today was like, "What's been the biggest challenge?" So I'm kind of jumping ahead, but the biggest challenge so far for me has been finding qualified help that I can bring on board. And I think part of the struggle with that is there's been such an enormous quantity of jobs that it's very hard for me to find a good fit because a lot of people see the sole practitioner firm that's trying to grow as less stable than Corgan and JHP and HKS and Gensler and you name it, you know, I could rattle off the list. And so I think that if and when this economy slows down, I think there's going to be a lot of people that quickly find out that they did a lot of hopping around over the last couple of years and were, and some of this, maybe I'm the jaded business owner now, but I think there's a lot of people that were changing jobs and supposedly dissatisfied with the role strictly to go get a raise instead of kind of getting a raise based on their merits. And they're going to potentially find out they're the highest paid guy at the low end of the totem pole. And uh, anyhow, so I think that's going to be the biggest shakeup when the economy slows down a little bit. So far, I've not seen any slowdown in new inquiries in requests for proposals. Uh, I've not seen any projects, you know, pressing pause in terms of deliverables or timelines. And that's not with material volatility and not with, you know, the hikes and in interest rates. So that's been my experience so far. Well, and, and I think I can kind of, kind of, um, that's what I'm looking for. I was going to escape me now, but I, I'm having what feels like that same experience that, that not seeing a slowdown yet, but being mindful of what may be coming down the pike. And, and I think you're right too. I think there are so many people who are willing to change jobs at this point because the jobs are there because the, they are, there are opportunities for that to happen but you're also right the you know when the recession started the, the great recession started 
uh, I think it was HKS dropped 150 people. So, you know, suddenly you're at these big firms that are, you feel very secure at because they're big, they're, you know, they got a lot of, a lot of staff and then, and they're well-established and, and all of a sudden, you know, they, if they have to, you know, they're doing big projects and suddenly if that project comes to a halt, Bubba, you're out of a job. I think there is an advantage to being smaller, to being a sole practitioner, because you can pivot perhaps a little more than a big firm could. But I, I, you know, my last firm, we started in January, 2008. So we got screwed royally within the first nine months. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awful. Uh, (laughs) But we learned, we learned a lot. You know, we learned what we needed to do to survive. So, so there's that aspect of it too. But yeah, I don't know that, that, I think if as a sole practitioner, finding someone to hire is a challenge. Um, I do look at contract work, people I know that are out on their own that can actually fill in the gaps here and there, and that's helping some. Uh, I do have a, a colleague in Ohio who that's how he runs his entire business. He has production teams and design teams all over the U.S., and so he reaches out to them when he has a project, and they put together a proposal and say, this is what we're going to do, this is how long it's going to take. And he doesn't have any overhead. He doesn't have to hire anyone. And it works perfectly for him. I mean, he's, he's, he'll be in New Zealand for a month and he gets up in the morning, checks his email, looks and see if he has to redline any drawings and then closes his laptop and he's done for the day. So it's, it's, uh, there is something to be said about being a little smaller and, and maybe having some of that flexibility. But so, so you've been a little over a year in business. And is there, I mean, is there a concern? at this stage in your development, because, you know, you, you probably went into this with something of a business plan thinking this is where I expect to be at this time point in time, but has all that kind of gotten blown out of the water? No, not really. Now. I mean, I will say I didn't have the firmest of business plans. I certainly had some goals and some benchmarks that I wanted to achieve. One of which was, well, to back up, I mean, part of my, acknowledgement that a slowdown is on the horizon somewhere. I mean, and I was thinking this, you know, even a year ago that we're just, you know, they, they kind of come in those cycles. And so we're kind of getting close to that. Um, but, you know, I didn't take on any sort of debt or any additional costs in order to start the business. So I cash flowed everything. So from that end of things, you know, I've operated on a very lean model, which gives me a little bit of security. I've got some money in the, in the bank as far as the business is concerned. And, you know, I've been able to pay myself since day one. So that part of it has, that that was kind of the benchmark for, for the first year for me. And of course, the, the hiring challenge has certainly slowed my growth. I've had the work probably to bring some people on, but I've also probably inflicted a little bit of additional pain on myself and that I'm being pretty selective and pretty picky about what team members I, you know, I add to the team. And and you mentioned contract labor. I I do have that. I've got some great folks that have, you know, helped me out uh, on the production side that I contract with. And that certainly helps uh, there. You know, my, my only hang up with some of that is there's some bigger picture firm, I don't know, like long-term projects that I would like to bring somebody on and let them spearhead. And, you know, I would prefer, obviously, that person is a little more invested, you know, in the firm versus somebody that's kind of contracting project by project. At any rate, that's that has certainly slowed the growth a little bit. 
But I'm not disappointed by that. I've seen firsthand uh, some outfits that grow too quickly, and I feel like a lot of the quality and a lot of the reasons that probably led at least myself to start a firm go out the window when they just, you know, are hiring whoever they can get to get warm bodies and seats, not refusing any work from any potentially paying person. And I, I've been trying to grow with intentionality and not just focus on growing at some particular pace. I, I, I mean, I certainly understand the, the whole, you know, being invested in a, in a place that you really want to give projects to in the, as, as the future grows. Um, but speaking of futures, what, what do you hope to see as in your future for both for the firm and or family wise, or how, how, how does that, how does your business look? I, I, I mean, it's kind of cliche at this point, but you know, the five year mark, the 10 year mark, what, what are your hopes for the future? I guess. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows I love uh, my my patent interview question was always, you know, what's your five year plan? What's your 10 year plan? And so I, I certainly hold by that. So for me, when I started this practice, there were going to be kind of three areas of focus. Senior living, which I, I knew the best. Multifamily, which I knew decently well. And single family. So, you know, all three different little niches, but places that we live, places that, you know, you do life. And so that was going to be the focus of the practice. So the end goal within the first 10 years will be to build that out to at least one team dedicated kind of to each segment of practice. So multifamily is senior living and a single family team. Within that 10 years, I'd like to get to the point where those teams are, you know, led by a project architect, a project manager, then associate level and intern level production folks, probably not really any bigger than teams of three and probably not really any desire at this point to grow the firm beyond those three teams. But I would like to get to a point where I can more oversee the client relationships, oversee those three teams, uh, but still be small enough that I can, you know, know what's going on in a particular client's project and, have have some day-to-day involvement. So that's kind of the 10-year goal. The five-year goal, like I said, ideally by five years, I would have the senior living and the multifamily teams in place and fully functioning. Uh, The reason I start with those is, you know, like I said, that's where the bulk of my experience has been. And the single family, I feel like, is going to take me a little bit to build up the kind of the clientele and the uh, rapport that I need, the portfolio of work, all that kind of stuff that goes along with it to kind of attract the type of projects that I actually want to pursue there. And I've done, I've, I've done quite a bit of little single family stuff over the last year, probably more than I thought I would, but it has not, uh, not to, not to take away the importance of the projects that I've done. They're, they're nice but they've been more just kind of builder's grade stuff. They're not, they're not highly detailed. They're not the coolest house that, I don't know, I guess maybe we all dream about an architecture school of designing. Well, I'll, I will tell you as a single family person, that's going to be the bulk of your single family work. <laughs> it, you, you know, we all want the, the really cool projects, but the reality is, is that 
for most people doing single family, it's nothing spectacular. It You can make it nice, but it's going to be fairly plain Jane unless you have the, the multi-million dollar client who, yeah, you know, that, that, that really is that the bread and butter are these, for me anyways, the, the single family additions and renovations. And you're still doing good architecture and you're still providing a great service and helping them get to where they need to be with what they're doing uh, or what they're wanting. So yeah, I, th- I think that's just, just how single family goes. And and I've been doing this for, it'll be six years, July 1st uh, that I've been on my own, but I've been doing residential for the last 25 years. And that's just how, how that goes and, and doing everything from higher end down to, you know, the bathroom renovations, that kind of stuff. So, so yeah. Um, but it's nice that you've got a plan in place or that you have an idea of where you want to go and how you want to grow the business. One of the things that I'm always interested in, and this comes from, from talking with another architect, he was a firm owner in Tacoma and this was, he, I think he sold his firm a few years ago, but he had, been the owner for a few years when I talked with him and and he had bought into a practice. So there were two other partners and he bought into that. And within the first year he had bought them out. And I said, well, you know, so so looking back, is there anything that that you would have done differently? And his immediate response to me was he said, if I had known then what I knew now, I wouldn't have bought into the practice. But he bought in and discovered very quickly how maybe, I don't know, inefficiently or how maybe dysfunctional the practice was with the other two partners, and which is why he bought them out. And he was probably early 30s when it happened. So I always want to ask this question when, I, when I'm talking to other architects and other business owners is, you know, it's been a little over a year for you. So is there something that you realize now that you wish somebody would have told you before you started? And would it have changed anything? That is a tough question. Um, I I certainly way underestimated what it was going to take to to staff up and to to I mean I'm going to say convince someone to come and work for a startup firm. And I guess maybe some of that is the entrepreneurial mindset. And I mean I'm sure you know both of you guys kind of share in that same mindset of, you know, to me, there was, there's no more risk in having a job for another employer in, you know, in a, in an at will state than there is for me owning the business other than me owning the business. I completely control my own destiny if that's good or if that's bad, you know, but if I screw up, at least then I know it's my fault, but there just the challenge of bringing people on board has been, a lot more than I anticipated it to be. And yeah, I mean, I've got some interviews set up here literally tomorrow and, and next week. So I'm hoping to, <laughs> hoping to finally crack that nut here soon. But, but other than that, no, I mean, so far I would say year one has been what I expected. There's, there's always plenty of things where I think back and think, you know, man, I really wish there was more transparency in the profession for, you know, and you could probably almost rattle off any business management or business ownership function. Uh, and I feel like so many seasoned architects that have good experience hold their cards very close to the vest and kind of refuse to give up the quote secret sauce. 
I just, instead of that being detrimental to the profession, I can, I, to me, I see a lot of that as strengthening the profession. And I, and I get that. I, we, we, we had the, we, we definitely had the similar experience when the recession started in 2009. Well, I guess late 2008, 2009, when things really got rolling was that we are a profession that doesn't like to share that it is almost a case of if I give that information away, I am now vulnerable and someone's going to come in and swoop in behind me and take stuff away from me. So I'm not going to tell you anything that I've learned or anything that I know because that's going to harm me. And, and we found it very odd because we were so open to sharing the information that we were obtaining because we're, you know, in that same aspect that, us sharing that information is helping the firm, not just helping the firm, but helping the profession grow and, and beneficial to everyone because we, I mean, it just, it just seems so such a backwards way of thinking to think that, well, I can't tell you how I'm doing my marketing because that's going to, going to make you do, do it too. And that's going to hurt me and, and potentially hurt. It was just, it was such a strange attitude. So, uh, well, and let me ask you this too, while I'm thinking about it. And, and again, this is one of those things where question and conversation begets other questions. Um, had you had, have you had any, or prior to owning your firm, did you have any experience hiring people? Or are you having to learn how to do it? Yes. And no, I definitely, I mean, I sat in on probably every interview that the prior firm did for staff at all levels, probably for the five years before I left. I did a lot of interaction on behalf of the firm with recruiters and sitting in the interviews and those kind of conversations. Limited involvement, of course, in negotiating compensation and benefits and things of that nature. But I guess, I, I think maybe part of the struggle has always been, and you guys probably figured this out about me, one, I'm a talker and two, I'm a sharer. I don't, I do not necessarily hold things back. I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a pretty open book and I'm usually very forthright and honest. And, you know, what you see is what you get. And I think a lot of candidates are so used to getting the song and the dance when they go to an interview and then they show up on day one for the job and it's not at all what they got sold. And so I think they sit down with me and I, paint them a picture and I tell them, you know, where I'd like to go with the firm and what I envision the role being. And I mean, like I said, it's, it's honest. I mean, you know, that usually involves like, yeah, there's going to be production work you're going to have to do. I mean, yeah, we're a two person firm, you know, we're not going to have, there's, there's not company Christmas party because it's going to be kind of weird for, you know, you and me to go, <laughs> you know, go, go eat dinner at a steakhouse together. Like, I, I don't know. So there's, there's just, I feel like I'm being super upfront with all that stuff. And then I feel like people are just so unused to hearing honesty and full transparency that they don't know what to do with it. I can, I can completely understand that. We had a, uh, Matthew and I were talking about hiring. I don't know how many podcasts to go. It seems we've done a lot, but there, there were people we talked to who were getting all sorts of weird questions and interviews. And I'm like, I don't know that that's helping you understand what you're going to be doing. And I remember one guy was asked, um, they were asking him something about his experience with Revit and his internship ended up being teaching the entire office how to use Revit. That didn't come into really play in the interview other than they had asked him how much he knew about it. 
And so <laughs> he kind of got caught off guard. So yeah, I, I think it's a shame to see people come in and, and be kind of blindsided by what they're asked to do versus what they were told they were going to be doing. And I know Matthew's had some of that experience as well, but I think we have one more question and I'm going to let Matthew ask it because he's been kind of, kind of quiet. You know, I've been a little, a little chatty, as you say, you know, you, you, you like to share a lot and I think that's great. But, uh, but Matthew, I'm going to let Matthew have the last question, and then we'll we'll end up closing things out if that's okay. Oh yeah, no, it's just I I enjoy listening as much as I do talking, so that, I guess that's <laughs> I guess that's contributing. But um, Michael, what is one or, or what is, what is something we didn't ask you today that you feel like is important for people to know? That 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 it's been in on your mind lately that you would have liked to have heard us talk about, like in terms of starting a practice, or maybe in what context do you mean? So, sometimes people, sometimes people like say, "Oh, well, you you should have asked me about X, Y, and Z," and and I and and. I'm just like, well, I didn't know that you were doing X, Y, and Z. So, so please tell us more about that. Is there, is there, is there something, is there something like that that you, you, you just, you just can't let go of or something that you just been on your mind as in, in architecture or anything like that? I don't know. Do we, do we dare to go down the whole like remote working, hybrid working path? Well, I, I honestly, I don't know that that would be a bad thing because, well, for one thing, you're actually working in an office now, um, so you have your own space, and and I do too. So I think maybe that's a something to kind of jump off into. We, I, I don't want to get down into the weeds of the remote and hybrid and all that stuff, but but obviously, I I, I felt this last October, and I I sublet some space. Obviously, you're feeling something because you have your own office space. Um, uh, kind of a work share space, I guess. So, so maybe, maybe that's the question is, is what happened with all of that and how does it come about? Yep. Well, so my need was a little bit by family necessity, just in that my office when I launched was our third bedroom. And so of course now with the addition of a, another kiddo, you know, the first, the first number of weeks he was in the master bedroom, but now he's needed to relocate. So it was like, okay, time to you know, time to relocate the office. So in April of this year, so just over a year of working at home, yeah, I moved. Uh, and I did come to one of these work sharing places, which that environment has been really cool. Um, I mean, like I was able to get, you know, this is like a class AA office space and it's, it's really affordable and it gets, you know, all sorts of kind of normal office benefits. I think, one positive from it that I wasn't sure. Well, I'm just going to say it this way. I don't, I think for me, it maybe gave me a little more confidence in that it felt like it kind of legitimized the firm. Like, okay, you know, this is a surreal firm. Like if nothing else, if clients or folks come to interview or meet with me, you know, at least I think is a little more formal than, you know, Hey, let's meet at Starbucks because I office out of my house and I don't really want to have, a random person come interview, you know, in my living room. So that part is, is what drove me to it. But 
I've been doing a lot of thinking and I know, you know, some of the struggles I think is, is so many people looking for jobs are looking for remote work and hybrid work. And I mean, you know, uh, probably all seen in the news, you know, Elon Musk and telling all the Tesla folks to get back in the office. And I've been equally curious what other architects and firms think and are doing about it. And anyhow, so, but it can also turn into kind of a taboo subject to, you know, start talking down on entry-level staff that want to work from home and not commute. Yeah, I think that's kind of a, kind of a, I don't say iffy topic. Um, and, and honestly, we could probably spend the entire podcast on just that. Probably so. Yeah, I, I think, I think the whole industry is still sort of up in the air. I think there's validity to some working from home and some coming into the office for people who are just starting in the profession. I would want your butt in a seat where I can see you every day because I don't know how you work. So there's, there's that aspect to it too. So, so yeah, I, I think I can imagine that's, that's a quandary when you're trying to hire people, but, but I also like the whole, what, what were you talking about with the office about that, that you are, you feel a little more legitimate and lucky for me, I, I meet my clients at their houses. So very rarely would I ever have an, an, um, a need to meet them in my office, which is great because I office with accountants. So I have my little corner in their space and you know, my own my own office within their office. Uh, so, you know, meeting clients here is a little weird, but, uh, um, but yeah, I can, I can kind of see the legitimacy and, and something that I experienced and what I think kind of pushed me out uh, away from home and back into an office environment. I just, I, I sort of, reached a point where I felt the need to be around other people than my husband um, who spent basically from 6 a.m. until noon most days on the phone. So I'm kind of trapped in my little, my little part of the house and trying not to make noise, but having to listen to his phone calls. So I just, I think after about you know, a couple of years, a year and a half of that, it was just kind of like, okay, I, I need space and I need a place for me and being able to separate yourself from the house, that has been a big, big thing because I'm not there. And he's there all day. I mean, there, there have been times when he's like, I haven't left the house in three days. I'm like, get your ass in the car and go somewhere because you have to get out of the house. But that's maybe that's just me. I don't, when you have three kids and, and I think that has to be its own challenge when you're trying to work and all that sort of potential chaos is happening. Yeah, there's definitely benefits to having a separation. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Uh, if you'd asked me when we first started the podcast, like, you know, how's working from home going? And I'd been doing it like two weeks. I probably would have said, yeah, it's so far so good, but I expect it, you know, to drive me insane before too much longer. Cause that was what I thought going into it. And I actually did, uh, really enjoy it. And, you know, I mean, there were nice moments throughout the day. I might come out to grab a bite for lunch or something and my kids are there and I go throw the football with my oldest son for, you know, five minutes and then I could get right back to work. So those little interspersing home life with work life was kind of nice in that regard. But there were other times where it was like, I literally hung up from a stressful call with contractors and developers and people at each other's throats about, you know, change order or whatever. And then I'm literally got to try to de-stress that and walk straight to the dinner table. And, you know, that's where my prior 40 minute commute would have let me kind of decompress and process all that stuff and uh, shout at another driver or something crazy on the road. Right. So 
having that separation is certainly nice to to get a clean break from work and home. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely definitely having that experience. So so I get that, and, I, and we don't have kids. It was just us and the dog, and the dog was pretty low maintenance. So you know, no worries there. But but yeah, there is something to be said to be able to have that because yeah, you you leave work and you're stressed, and and to be able to sort of come down between between job and home, I think. I think definitely is a bonus. So, so interesting. I, I'm, I, I think we could get in more into the hybrid, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure we have time. And I think Matthew, I think we may have lost Matthew somewhere. No, I, I'm still here. I've just been having some, some audio issues that, that I think that's part of the other reason I've been kind of quiet. So <laughs> is I'm, I'm just trying, I'm trying not to say anything because I'm hoping that the audio kicks back in and I can start to hear both of you again, but Oh, yay, technology. But well, and and that's perfect, because because really, we are, I think that was the last thing we really wanted to ask Michael. And so we're kind of wrapping things up. Um, Michael, if people wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do it? Yeah, um, of course, anybody can find my website. It's online. It's www.bldg-arch.com. Or my email is the same, just michael at bldg-arc.com. I'm on all the socials and all those things too, but email and uh, reach out through the website. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Well, and, and of course, everyone, if you're a regular listener, you know you can always reach me at Spotted Dog Arch on Instagram or Twitter or just Larry at SpottedDogArchitecture.com. And you can always find the podcast at ArchitectureGeeks.com and find us on Instagram at ArchGeeksPodcasts. So yeah, so guys, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate you tuning in again. And we will be back sometime in July. And after after a much needed breather, we're trying to plan for the next five or six months. And we'll see what we come up with. Hopefully, uh, maybe a, another interview or two. And for now, uh, enjoy the rest of your day, evening, weekend, whenever you're listening to this. And we will talk to you next time. And Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll talk later, guys. Bye.